Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Today we're going to be reading Chapter 13 of The Gift of Tongues, pages 132 to 142. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. We will be taking calls during the whole program today. But first we're going to listen to the reader program. The reader program is 27 minutes long, and then we'll get into the reading and the commentary portion of this program when we're finished with the reader program portion of this program. Thank you for listening. Evil Tongues, Chapter 13 of Gift of Tongues, Pages 132 to 142. Get well, the tongue, and dash say only truth. Speak well of others, else not at all. No deadlier poison has yet been found than slanderous words, beyond recall. And dash Carden, as with all of the gifts of God, they can be and often are counterfeited by the devil. The work of the master deceiver is to thwart the works of God through lies, deception, and misrepresentations. The gift of tongues is perhaps one of the most powerful influences by which men have been deceived. There were risks and perils for those who could speak in tongues. Many people, both in the church and out of it, concluded that when someone spoke in tongues, and even when it was interpreted, that it was automatically of God. But there were many evils wrought by those who spoke in tongues. The prophet warned the saints of these things, as he recorded in his history, Deck 26, 1841, Sunday and the public meeting of the saints was at my house this evening and after Patriarch Hiram Smith and Elder Brigham Young had spoken on the principles of faith and the gifts of the Spirit, I read the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, also a part of the 14th chapter, and remarked that the gift of tongues was necessary in the church, but that if Satan could not speak in tongues, he could not tempt a Dutchman or any other nation but the English, for he can tempt the Englishman, for he has tempted me and I am an Englishman. But the gift of tongues by the power of the Holy Ghost in the church is for the benefit of the servants of God to preach to unbelievers, as on the day of Pentecost. When devout men from every nation shall assemble to hear the things of God, let the elders preach to them in their own mother tongue, whether it is German, French, Spanish or Irish, or any other and let those interpret who understand the language spoken, 
in their own mother tongue, and this is what the apostle meant in 1 Corinthians 14, 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. The prophet gave another warning by saying, As to the gift of tongues, all we can say is, that in this place we have received it as the ancients did. We wish you, however, to be careful, lest in this you be deceived. Guard against the evils which may arise from any accounts given by women, or otherwise. Be careful in all things, lest any root of bitterness spring up among you, and thereby many be defiled. Satan will no doubt trouble you about the gift of tongues, unless you are careful. You cannot watch him too closely, nor pray too much. May the Lord give you wisdom in all things. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith While the compiler of this book was on his mission in California he met a minister who told the following story. A fellow minister of our church, Protestant, had just returned from a foreign mission. While we were talking about some of the other churches, we decided to go to a Pentecostal type church nearby. We knew they were professing the gift of tongues as an evidence of the Spirit of God. That night we attended one of their meetings, and during the services a man got up and began to speak in a sing-songy kind of chant. From all around him were shouts of, Hallelujah, he's got the Spirit. When the services were over, my friend marched up to the man who had so influenced everyone by his gift and said, do you know what language you were speaking or what you said? The man said he didn't, but he certainly felt the spirit. My friend answered and said, Well, I know what language it was and dash I spent 11 years in China, and that was Chinese. I also know what you said. I will say that in all my time in China, I believe you spoke the most foul-mouthed milky language I ever heard. These influences and powers can and have been found within the Church of God. For these reasons precaution and care must be exercised with the gifts which the Lord may bestow upon his people. On a few occasions, when the wrong spirit has been manifest, it was detected by those who had the gift of discernment. The manner of detection is by the spirit which is felt through the gift. If the interpretation and influence of tongues is not known, then the devil may cause an influence and power over those who are unaware. Those. December the 27th, 1855. This evening I attended a prayer meeting in the council house at San Bernardino, the I think there was a wrong spirit exhibited in the singing and speaking in tongues. Thus, January the 3rd, 1856. Last night attended a prayer meeting in the council house. There was a wrong spirit made manifest in speaking and singing in tongues. This is the second and third time there has been a bad spirit exhibited at our prayer meetings. 
In some cases, individuals may know and understand truths and the spiritual gifts of God, but they themselves have such a bad spirit about them that they refuse to accept them. On returning to Pennsylvania he preached and baptized many, among whom was O.C. Kimball. The gifts of the gospel were enjoyed by many. Signs following those that believed, devils were cast out. The sick were healed. Many prophesied. Some spake with new tongues. While others interpreted the same Mr. Calvin Gilmer, with whom Brother Gifford had previously been associated in preaching, heard him speak in tongues and interpret. Gilmer declared he understood the languages and that they were interpreted correctly, but that he would rather be damned than believe in Mormonism. Note the difference in the spirit of Pali P. Pratt, who accepted the gospel. I did not feel any particular grief before, or any sudden joy after I was baptized, for I had been walking uprightly before God and man. But I soon felt within me such a peace and an increase of joy, and such light as I had never felt before, and this has continued to increase hitherto. Soon Brother Taylor began to speak in tongues, then Sister Taylor, then my sister. The sick were healed, and the saints began to prophesy, etc. What could I wish for more as evidence that it was the pure gospel of God? The nature and feeling of these two opposite spirits can attend the gift of tongues. In order to identify the source of the gift, we must discern the spirit which actuates it. Apostle Pratt continues his narration to explain the differences in the source of the gift. About the same time some gentlemen came over from England to establish Mr. Irving's principles, which they did in Toronto, and many of our old friends joined them, and there was this difference between the two spirits and Ash we felt humble and full of love, and simple as little children, free to all men, friends or foes, but when we met them in the street who had been our brethren, they would not speak to us. At this we would smile, and be sorry. We were open to speak of those things we had received, and wished to speak upon them, but they would not give an answer to any question about their principles, and they lifted themselves up in pride. When the saints began to speak in tongues, it filled the soul with joy and sweetness but the others, for they had what they called utterances, filled one with horror. Many embraced the gospel in that part, and many more would have done but for the priests, by whom they were led. The presiding elder should have the gift of discernment, when the gift of tongues is manifest, thereby knowing which agency that gift comes from. Every spirit, or vision, or singing, is not of God. The devil is an orator. He is powerful. He took our Savior onto a pinnacle of the temple, and kept him in the wilderness for forty days. The gift of discerning spirits will be given to the presiding elder. Pray for him that he may have this gift. Speak not in the gift of tongues without understanding it, or without interpretation. The devil can speak in tongues. The adversary will come with this work. He can tempt all classes. Can speak in English, or Dutch. 
Let no one speak in tongues unless he interpret, except by the consent of the one who is placed to preside. Then he may discern or interpret, or another may. Let us seek for the glory of Abraham, Noah, Adam, the apostles, who have communion with knowledge of these things, and then we shall be among that number when Christ comes. There have been times when the gift of tongues from the Lord and the gift of tongues by the devil have occurred at the same meeting. Nellie Taylor was the first polygamist wife of John W. Taylor, and she was the most spiritual person I have ever known in my life. I could tell you story after story of the spiritual experiences that came to her dash some of them in my presence. I had never experienced anything like it. I had heard her speak in tongues and interpret tongues. I had heard her interpret prophecy spoken in tongues that came true, and many such wonderful things. And then she has told me many things that were to occur in their family. She was told she would have the visitation of angels who would come to her bedside and converse with her. The most wonderful spiritual sayings that I have ever known have occurred to Aunt Nellie. One such occasion took place in the Old West Bountiful Meeting House when she and her husband were present. There was no rostrum in this building and dash just a row of chairs in front which faced east. Her husband was sitting up in front. Now, this occurred before I was nine years old, and I was sitting with Aunt Nellie. She arose and spoke in tongues, which were interpreted by another person. In that same meeting she interpreted tongues that were spoken by someone else. We were in the center tier section of seats and ash and on the same row of seats. But across the aisle on the north side of the building, there was a dark-haired, strongly built man, who arose and spoke in tongues from the devil. That's something I guess very, very few people have ever experienced. Experienced. Even as a child, I felt as though the room had been filled as with a dark cloud. It was just an appalling experience. I looked up at Uncle John, as we called him, sitting up in front and he looked down at that man, and just pointed his finger and dash didn't say a word. That man didn't sit in his seat. He just wilted into his seat and dashed just like a limp rag. The meeting, after that, returned to its former high peak in spirituality, and other people spoke in tongues, and there was an interpretation of tongues. In early times there were instances of attempts to regulate the church through the use of tongues. The Prophet Joseph corrected one particular case. President Joseph Smith then made remarks upon the subject of false spirits. Elder Ambrose Palmer presented his case, which had previously occasioned some difficulty in the church, which was, that Brother Carpenter had been tried for a fault before the church and the church gave him a certain time to reflect whether he would acknowledge or not. Brother Gordon, at the time, spoke in tongues, and declared that Brother Carpenter should not have any leniency. Elder Palmer wished instruction on this point, 
whether they had proceeded right or not, as Brother Carpenter was dissatisfied, etc. President Joseph Smith then gave an explanation of the gift of tongues, that it was particularly instituted for the preaching of the gospel to other nations and languages, but it was not given for the government of the church. He further said, if Brother Gordon introduced the gift of tongues as a testimony against Brother Carpenter, it was contrary to the rules and regulations of the church, because in all our decisions, we must judge from actual testimony. Elder Gordon said, the testimony was had, and the decision given before the gift of tongues was manifested. President Smith advised, that we speak in our own language, in all such matters, and then the adversary cannot lead our minds astray. Elder Palmer stated, that when he was presiding in a conference, several of the brethren spoke out of order, and Elder J. B. Bosworth refused to submit to order according to his request, and he wished instructions on this point, whether he or someone else should preside over this branch of the church, and also whether such conduct could be approbated in conferences. Brother Gordon made some remarks on the same subject. President Smith said, relative to the first question, that Brother Gordon's tongues in the end did operate as testimony, as, by his remarks in tongues, the former decision was set aside, and is taken, that it was his decision, that Brother Gordon's manifestation was incorrect, and from a suspicious heart. He approved the first decision, but discarded the second. Brother Joseph Keeler acknowledged that in the former decision he had acted hastily himself, in urging Brother Carpenter to make acknowledgement without having time to reflect, and asked forgiveness where he had erred. Brother Gordon said he discovered that he was in error, and was satisfied with the counsel, and was willing to ask forgiveness of the brethren and of the Lord. Decision was then given on the second question, that Elder Bosworth was out of his place, in opposing Elder Palmer, when he presided in the council. The two decisions were confirmed by unanimous vote of the conference. A motion was then made and passed by unanimous vote, that a letter be written to Brother J.B. Bosworth, informing him of the last decision M- that he has acted out of place in opposing Elder Palmer in a former council, when requested to take his seat that the business might proceed according to order, and that such letter be signed by the clerk of this conference. Other strange influences came into play as the gift of tongues and other gifts of the Holy Ghost were manifested. As the powers of God were restored with the Gospel, it seemed that the powers of Satan were equally manifest. Strange and extraordinary influences diverted many saints and non-members away from the Church of God. Again it may be asked, how it was that they could speak in tongues if they were of the devil? We would answer that they could be made to speak in another tongue, as well as their own, as they were under the control of that spirit, and the devil contempt the Hottentot, the Turk, the Jew, or any other nation, and if these men were under the influence of his spirit, they of course, could speak Hebrew, Latin, Greek, Italian, Dutch, or any other language that the devil knew.
Some will say, try the spirits by the word. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. No man nor set of men without the regular constituted authorities, the priesthood and discerning of spirits, can tell truth from false spirits. This power they possessed in the apostles' day, but it has departed from the world for ages. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have also had their false spirits, and as it is made up of all those different sects professing every variety of opinion, and having been under the influence of so many kinds of spirits it is not to be wondered at if there should be found amongst us false spirits. Soon after the Gospel was established in Kirtland, and during the absence of the authorities of the Church, many false spirits were introduced, many strange visions were seen, and wild, enthusiastic notions were entertained. Men ran out of doors under the influence of this spirit, and some of them got upon stumps of trees and shouted, and all kinds of extravagances were entered into by them. One man pursued a blob that he said he saw flying in the air, until he came to a precipice, when he jumped into the top of a tree, which saved his life. And many ridiculous things were entered into, calculated to bring disgrace upon the Church of God, to cause the Spirit of God to be withdrawn, and to uproot and destroy. Thus see, Kimball explained the nature of the apostates who had many powerful gifts and revelations given to them. The devil was able to take advantage of many saints and lead them on to destruction. Why and how were they deceived and thwarted from the ground gifts and the influences of the gospel? Apostasy can only be the result of sin. Only through transgression can the Spirit of God and the testimony of the truths of Jesus be destroyed. A spirit would come on those individuals, and they would begin to run around the house, and be thrown into all manner of shapes and convulsions, saying it was the operation of the Holy Ghost. If you do not look out, you will get such spirits as those here. I merely speak of them to give you a check that you may be aware of the course you are taking. I will tell you what kind of characters will have those kinds of revelations. They will be men who have committed whoredom in our midst, and women who have played the whore. Good, virtuous men and women are not actuated by those spirits, because they asked the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to give them his spirit, and not those wild, enthusiastic spirits manifested by some. How is it with those men in Kirtland? Almost every one of them denied the faith and went over the board, and afterwards we found out that they were adulterous persons. As for the gift of tongues, I do not speak in tongues often. Can I speak in tongues? Yes, I can speak in a good beautiful language to this people at any time. Why? Because God gave me the gift, and he does not give gifts to men and then take them away again, so long as those men are doing their duty. They're gifts, and God gives them to men and women, 
and so long as they improve upon them they do not forfeit them. If they do not improve upon them, the devil takes the advantage and will make it appear like the gifts of God which they have possessed, as nearly as possible, and thus they go overboard. I do not know why it is that I am led to speak so today, but I am led as I am, and you may judge whether it is right or wrong. Can I interpret tongues? Yes, because that gift is in me, and I have not forfeited it. Is it in Brother Brigham? Yes, and so is every gift that God ever gave to his ancient apostles. God has given them to Brother Brigham, and he will never take them away from him. He is the spirit in him, and so have his counselors, that can discern your spirits and gifts, whether they are of God or of the devil. When any of you get up to speak in tongues, whether you do so by the power of God or of the devil, I can tell you which source that tongue came from, and if it is from the Lord I can interpret it. Journal of Discourses, however great or small the manifestation may be, people should be very cautious in the discernment of its source. Giving the Lord honor for the devil's manifestation is a sure snare. By the same rule, a gift or manifestation from God should never be branded as the workmanship of the devil. Thus, whenever a supernatural power or influence is made known and dashed by God or the devil and dashed the danger or blessing rests with those who witness it. It is the Spirit of God, through the Spirit of discernment, which is of greatest importance to every saint. Chapter 14 Obedience to the Commandments Commandments Evil Tongues, Chapter 13 of Gift of Tongues, Pages 132 to 142 Guard well the tongue, say only truth, speak well of others, else not at all. No deadlier poison has yet been found than slanderous words beyond recall. End quote by Cardin. As with all the gifts of God, they can be and often are counterfeited by the devil. The work of the master deceiver is to thwart the works of God through lies, deceptions, and misinterpretations. The gift of tongues is perhaps one of the most powerful influences by which men have been deceived. There were risks and perils for those who could speak in tongues. Many people, both in the church and out of it, conclude that when someone spoke in tongues, and even when it was interpreted, that it was automatically of God. But there were many evils wrought by those who spoke in tongues. The prophet Joseph Smith warned the saints of, his, of these things as he recorded in his history. On December 26, 1841, which was a Sunday, the public meeting of the saints was at my house this evening, and after Patriarch Hiram Smith and Elder Brigham Young had spoken on the principles of faith and the gift of the Spirit, 
I read the 13th chapter of the fir- of First Corinthians, also a part of the 14th chapter, and remarked that the gifts, the gift of tongues was necessary in the church, but that if Satan could not speak in tongues, he could not tempt a Dutchman or any other nation but the Englishman, for he can tempt the Englishman, for he has tempted me, and I am an Englishman. But the gift of tongues by the power of the Holy Ghost in the church is for the benefit of the servants of God to preach to unbelievers as on the day of Pentecost, when devout men from every nation shall assemble to hear the things of God, let the elders preach to them in their own mother tongue, whether it is German, French, Spanish, or Irish, or any other. And let those interpret who understand the language spoken as are in their own mother tongue. And this is what the apostles meant in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 27, where they said, If any man speaks in an unknown tongue, let it, let it be by two, at the most by three, and that by course and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Doctrinal Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 4, pages 485 and 486. The prophet gave another warning by saying, As to the gift of tongues, all we can say is that in this place we have received it as the ancients did. We wish you, however, to be careful, lest in this you be deceived. Guard against evils which may arise from any account given by women or otherwise. Be careful in all things, lest any any root of bitterness spring up, up among you, and thereby many be defiled. Satan will not no doubt trouble you about the gift of tongues unless you be careful you cannot watch him too closely nor pray too much may the lord give you wisdom in all things teachings of the prophet joseph smith page 25 while the compiler of this book was on his mission in california he met a minister who told the following story quote a fellow minister of our church which was Protestant, had just returned from from a foreign mission. While we were talking about some of the other churches, we decided to go to a Pentecostal-type church nearby. We knew they were professing the gift of tongues as an evidence of the Spirit of God. That night we attended one of their meetings, and during the services, the man got up and began to speak in a sing-songy kind of chant. From all around were shouts of, Hallelujah! He's got the Spirit! When the services were over, my friend marched up to the man who had had so influenced everyone by his gift and said, Do you know what language you are speaking or what you said? The man said he did not, but he certainly felt the spirit. My friend answered and said, Well, I know what language it was. 
I spent 11 years in China, and that was Chinese. I also know what you said. I will say it in... I will say that in all my time in, in China, I believe you spoke the most foul-mouthed, filthy language I have ever heard. This influence and power can and have been found within the Church of God. For these reasons, precaution and care must be exercised by the gifts which the Lord may bestow upon his people. On a few occasions, when the wrong spirit has been manifest, it was detected by those who had the gift of discernment. The manner of detection is by the spirit which is felt through the gift. If the interpretation and influence of tongues is not known, then the devil may cause an influence and power over those who are unaware. Thursday, December 27, 1855, this evening, I attended a prayer meeting in the Council House at San Bernardino, California. I think there was a wrong spirit exhibited in the singing and speaking in tongues. Thursday, January 3rd, 1856, last night attended a prayer meeting in the Council House. There was a wrong spirit made manifest in speaking and singing in tongues. This has been the second or third time there has been a bad spirit exhibited at our prayer meetings. And quote, Diary of Henry G. Boyle, Volume 1, pages 50 and 52. We're on page 135 now. In some cases, individuals may know and understand truths and the spiritual gifts of God, but they themselves have such a bad spirit about them that they refuse to accept them. On returning to Pennsylvania, he preached and baptized many among whom was Heber C. Kimball. The gifts of the gospel were enjoyed by many, signs followed, following those that believed. Devils were cast out, the sick were healed, many prophesied, some spake in a new tongue, while others interpreted the same. Mr. Calvin Gilmore, with whom Brother Gifford had previously been associated in preaching, heard him speak in a tongue and interpret. Gilmore declared he understood the, get, or the language and that they were interpreted correctly, but that, that he would rather be damned than believe in Mormonism. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 4, pages 400, page 485. Note the difference in the spirit of Parley P. Pratt, who accepted the gospel, quote, I did not feel any particular grief before or any sudden joy after I was baptized, for I had, for I had been walking uprightly before God and man, but I soon felt within me such a peace and an increase of joy and such spirit, such light, as I had never before felt, and this has continued to increase the, the, hitherto. Soon Brother Taylor began to speak in tongues, then Sister Taylor, then my sister, the, hick, the sick were healed, and the saints began to prophesy. What could I wish for more as an evidence that it was the pure gospel of God? Millennial Star, Volume 2, page 52. The nature and feeling of these two opposite spirits can, be, can attend the gift of tongues 
in order to identify the source of the gift, we must discern the spirit which actuates it. Apostle Pratt continues his narration to explain the differences in the source of the gift. About the same time, some gentlemen came over from England to establish Mr. Irving's principles, which they did in Toronto, and many of our old friends joined them. And there was a difference between the two spirits. I felt humble and full of love and the simple and as simple as little children, free to all free to all men, friend or foe. But when we met them in the street who had been our bro- who had been a brethren, they would not speak to us. At this we would smile and be sorry. We were open to speak of those things which we had received and wished to speak upon them but they would but they would not give an answer to any question about their principles and they lifted themselves up in pride when the saints began to speak in tongues that filled the soul with joy and sweetness but the others for they had what they called utterances filled one with horror Many embraced the gospel in that part, and many more would have done, but for the priests by whom they were led. Millennial Star, Volume 2, page 52. The presiding elders should have the gift of discernment when the gift of tongues is manifest, thereby, thereby knowing which agency that gift comes from. Every spirit or vision or singing is not of God. The devil is an orator. He is powerful. He took our Savior onto a pinnacle of the temple and kept him in the wilderness for 40 days. The gift of discerning spirits will be given to the presiding elder. Pray for him that he may have this gift. Speak not in the gift of tongues without understanding it, or without interpreting it. The devil can speak in tongues. The adversary will come with this work. He can tempt all classes. He can speak in English or Dutch. Let no one speak in tongues unless he interpret, except by the consent of the one who is placed to preside. Then he may discern or interpret, or another may. Let us seek for the glory of Abraham, Noah, Adam, and the apostles who have communion with our knowledge of these things, and then we shall be among the number, that number when Christ comes. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 3, page 392, or on page 137. There have been times when the gift of tongues from the Lord and the gift of tongues by the devil have occurred at the same meeting. Nellie Taylor was the first polygamous wife of John W. Taylor, that's the son of John Taylor, and she was the most spiritual person I have ever known in my life. I could tell you story after story of the spiritual experiences that came to her, some of them in my presence. I've never experienced anything like it. 
I've heard her speak in tongues and interpret tongues. I've heard her interpret prophecies spoken in tongues. I've heard her speak in tongues and interpret tongues. I've heard her interpret prophecies spoken in tongues that came true and many such wonderful things. And then she has told me many things that were to occur in their family. She was told she would have the visitation of angels who would come to her bedside and converse with her. The most wonderful spiritual sayings that I have ever known of occurred to Aunt Nellie. One such occasion took place in the Old West Bountiful Meeting House where she and her husband were present. There was no rostrum in this building, just a row of chairs in front, which faced east. Her husband was sitting up in, in front. Now this occurred before I was nine years old. And I was sitting with Aunt Nellie. And she arose and spoke in tongues, which were interpreted by another person. In that same meeting, she interpreted tongues that were spoken by someone else. We were in the center section of seats on the same row of seats but but across the aisle on the north side of the building there was a dark-haired strongly built man who arose and spoke in tongues from uh spoke in tongues from the devil that's something i guess very very few people have ever experienced even as a child i felt as though the, the room had been filled with a dark cloud it was just an appalling experience. I looked up at Uncle John, as we called him, sitting up in the front, and he looked down at the man and just pointed his finger. Didn't say a word. That man didn't sit in his seat. He just whittled into, he just wilted into the seat, just like an, a limp rag. The meeting after that returned to his former high peak in spirituality and other people spoke in tongues and there was an interpretation of tongues. And quote, Douglas Todd Jr. interview, November 1969, and we're on page 138. In early times, there were instances of attempts to regulate the church through the use of tongues. The Prophet Joseph Smith corrected one particular case, quote, President Joseph Smith then made remarks upon the subject of false spirits. Elder Ambrose Palmer presented his case, which he had previous, which had previously occasioned some difficulty in the church, which was that Brother Carpenter had been tried for a fault before the church, and the church gave him a certain time to reflect whether he would acknowledge or not. Brother Gordon at the time spoke in tongues and declared that Brother Carpenter should not have any leniency. Elder Palmer wished instruction on this point, whether they had proceeded right or not, as Brother Carpenter was dissatisfied, etc. President Joseph Smith then gave an explanation of the gift of tongues, that it was particularly instituted for the preaching of the gospel to the nations and the languages, but it was not given for the government of the church. 
He further said if Brother Gordon introduced the gift of tongues as a testimony against Brother Carpenter, that it was contrary to the rules and regulations of the church, because in all our decisions we must judge from actual testimony. Elder Gordon said the testimony was had and the decision given before the gift of tongues was manifest. President Smith advised that we speak in our own language in all such matters, and then the adversary cannot lead our minds astray. Elder Palmer stated that when he was presiding in a conference, several of the brethren spoke out of order, and Elder J.B. Bosworth refused to submit to order according to his request, and he wished instruction on this point whether he or someone else should preside over this branch of the church, and also whether such conduct should be approbated in conferences on page 139. Brother Gordon made some remarks on the same subject, and President Smith said, that's uh, that's, uh, Joseph Smith, relative to the first question, that Brother Gordon's tongue in the end did operate as testimony as by his remarks in tongues, and the former decision was set aside and his taken, and that it was his decision that Brother Gordon's manifestation was incorrect and from a suspicious heart. He approved the first decision and discarded the second. Brother Keeler acknowledged that in the former decision... He had acted hastily himself in arguing Brother Carpenter to make acknowledgement without having time to reflect and ask forgiveness where he had erred. Brother Gordon said he discovered that he was in error and was satisfied with the counsel and was willing to ask forgiveness of the brethren and of the Lord. Decision was then given on the second question that Elder Bosworth was out of his place in opposing Elder Palmer when he presided in the church council. The two decisions were confirmed by a unanimous vote of the conference. A motion was then made and passed by unanimous vote that a letter be written to Brother J.B. Bosworth informing him of the last decision, that he has acted out of place in opposing Elder Palmer in a former council when requested to take his seat, that the business might proceed according to the order and that such letter be signed by the clerk of this conference. End quote, Millennial Star, volume 15, page 182. Other strange influences came into play as the gift of tongues and other gifts of the Holy Ghost were manifested. As the powers of God were restored with the gospel, it seems that the power of Satan were equally manifested. Strange and extraordinary influences diverted many saints and non-members away from the church of God. End quote. Page 142. And once again, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. We're taking phone calls uh, in the screening room right now, and uh, if you want to go live, then after we finish the reading today, we'll go live so you can ask your questions and comments live. There's also a chat room 
at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And remember, Fundamentally Mormon on the Zion's Redemption Radio Network goes live Monday through Thursday from uh, 6 p.m. until we're finished. So, but we have from 6 to 8 for live stream and then if we need to go into overdrive we can do that and go an extra hour so we can have a 3 hour radio program if we need to so that's why I encourage people to call in with their questions or comments whether you're anti-Mormon or pro-Mormon or you have a question about theology I'll take all the questions so alright let's get back to the reading we're on page 140 and we have two pages left And again it may be asked how it was that they could speak in tongues if they were of the devil. We would answer that they could be made to speak in another tongue as well as their own tongue, as well as their own, as they were under the control of that spirit and the devil contempt the Hotnot, the Turk, the Jew, or any other nation. And if these men were under the influence of his spirit, They, of course, could speak Hebrew, Latin, Greek, Italian, Dutch, or any other language that the devil knew. Some will say, try the spirits by the word. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus come in the the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. And, you know, the interpretation of Scripture belongs to God alone. Uh, you can't just use the Scripture and say, well, the Scripture says this without actually knowing by revelation and be building upon the rock of revelation to understand the true interpretation of Scripture. However, when Paul told Timothy to try the spirits, for thereby many false spirits have gone out into the world, we have to learn to get discernment and to study a matter out, come to a conclusion with our own mind and maybe with help from others, what we believe something means and then we have to take it to God because if you lack wisdom, ask God, James chapter 1 verse 5. So study it out until you're firmly, your, your position is firm. Because we are not supposed to be like a wave tossed to and fro on the sea. That's James chapter 1 verse 6. Um, But that we are supposed to ask God because we all like wisdom and he will give us wisdom. And we will receive a confirmation of the Spirit if, if whatever it is that we are doing or believing is true. But if it is not true, the Spirit will withdraw from us. So the Spirit speaks to our mind and to our heart. That's by the still, small voice most of the time. But I've had the Lord tell me things in my ears. I've had other times when the Lord told me things in visions, in dreams, or in person. But the Spirit of the Lord always goes along with that. So he speaks to us in our mind and in our heart. The fruit of the Spirit is mentioned in Galatians chapter, uh, I think it's 22 and 23, is that of peace and joy and love and long-suffering. So like bite your tongue and, 
you know, endure. Sometimes you have to endure. Um, but it, the spirit, the fruit of the spirit are these type of, of feelings. Now, the adversary can get you into an emotionalism. That's not the spirit. That's emotionalism. That is how Satan tries to fool you into believing something. Through one of his deceptive messengers. So a deceptive messenger, a prophet, who, a person who proclaims to be a prophet but doesn't have the gift of being prophets, seers, or revelators, they'll often use emotional manipulation to get you to follow them. And you think you're filling the spirit, but you're not. But nevertheless, God does operate in the fruit of the spirit by speaking to you in your mind and in your heart. And if the thing that you believe is incorrect, the Spirit will withdraw from you. And if you are used to having the Spirit with you, you'll notice it. You'll notice it. But then not only that, everything will start to go wrong. You'll have a spirit of anxiety and stress and depression and hate and all these type of things. And then you can know, because the Spirit has withdrawn from you, that the thing that you believed is incorrect. And then you can repent and ask God to give you the spirit again. And that you, uh, you know, you're turning away from the false doctrine and the false interpretation that you believed. So we should all be able to do this. In fact, uh, General Conference, they keep talking about all these things. You know, people aren't leaving the church or people are leaving the church or this and that and the other. And like, this is why and that's why. And we need to do this. and We need to do that. And. If they taught people how to get revelation and trusted them to trust God themselves and stop trusting in the arm of flesh, which these leaders want you to do, you, they want you to trust them. But God wants you to trust him. A true spirit will point towards God and teach you how to get revelation from him. Even Jesus did it. Why do you call me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. He pointed to the Father. He always pointed to the Father. That is what a true prophet does. They don't point to themselves. Now, it's true that there's no other way whereby men can be saved but in and through the redemption of Jesus Christ. But the fact of the matter is... There are many that follow Jesus Christ who will not be saved in exaltation. They are some of one, some of another, some of Paul, some of Peter, some of Cephas, some of Jesus. And why are these followers of Jesus not accounted worthy to receive higher degrees of glory and re the resurrection? Because they may have believed Jesus and all the interpretations of men mingled with Scripture, but they never got revelation for themselves to know the truth of God. They never learned how to test the spirits. But the true order of heaven is that the Father sends the witness to testify of the Son, and the Son brings you back into the presence of the Father. So no man goes to the Father by the Son, but no man gets to the Son 
except for God's, the Father send the witness, and the witness brings him to the Son. That's the true order of heaven. That's why the man likened to Moses is so crucial. All they who will not hear that witness will be destroyed from among the people. You have to hear that witness because he is a witness of the Father and the Son. And he brings you into the covenants through the ordinances of the gospel to bring you into the presence of the the Son and the Son brings you into the presence of the Father. But you don't get to the Father or the Son without having God the Witness bring you. So anyway, um, we're on page 140. Again, it may be asked how how it was that they could speak in tongues if they were of the devil. We would answer that they could be made to speak in another tongue as well as in their own. Actually, I think I've already read all of this. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the... is come... What? And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. And there's a lot of people out there throughout the world, they don't believe Jesus has a body anymore. They don't know the scriptures well enough to know that this scripture exists, obviously. And like the reason why there's so many different interpretations of scriptures, because they're getting their revelation by the precepts of men and by false spirits. That's why the fruit of the Holy Spirit is so important for you to receive discernment. Continuing on, no man or sect of or set of men without the regular constituted authorities, the priesthood, and the discerning of spirits can tell true from false spirits. This power they possessed in the apostles' day, but it has departed from the world for ages. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have also had their false spirits, and as it is made up of all those different sects, professing every variety of opinion and having having been under the influence of so many kinds of spirits, it is not to be wondered at if there should be found amongst us false spirits. Soon after the gospel is established in Kirtland and during the absence of the authorities of the church, many false spirits were introduced Many strange visions were seen, and wild, enthusiastic notions were entertained. Men ran out of doors under the influence of this spirit, and some of them got upon stumps of trees and shouted, and all kinds of extravagances were entered into by them. One man pursued a ball that he said he saw flying in the air, so an orb of light until he came to a precipice, or a cliff, basically, when he jumped into the top of a tree. Actually, what he did was he jumped off the cliff. Who knows if it was at night, and he he found himself in the top of a tree, which saved his life. Many ridiculous things were entered into, calculated to, to bring disgrace upon the children of God, 
and to cause the Spirit of God to be withdrawn and uprooted and destroyed. End quote. And that's from the church's publication, Liahona Magazine, volume 6, page 1177, we're on page 141. Haver C. Kimball explained the nature of the apostates who had many powerful gifts and revelations given to them. The devil was able to take advantage of many saints and lead them in on to destruction. Why and how were they to, deceived and thwarted from the grand gifts of the influences of the gospel? gospel? Apostasy can only be the result of sin. Only through transgression can the Spirit of God and the Spirit of and the testimony of the truths of Jesus be destroyed. A spirit would come on those individuals, and they would begin to run around the house and be thrown into all manner of shapes and convulsions, saying it was the operation of the Holy Ghost. If you do not look out, you will get such spirits as those here. I merely speak of them to give you a check that you may be aware of the, of the course you are taking. I will tell you what kind of characters will have those kind of revelations. They will be men who have committed whoredoms in our midst and play, and women who have played the whore. Good virtuous men and women are not actuated by those spirits because they asked the Father in the name of Jesus Christ to give them his spirit and not those wild enthusiastic spirits manifested by some. How was it that those men in Kirtland, how was it with those men in Kirtland? Almost every one of them denied the faith and went overboard, and afterwards we found out that they were adulterous persons. As for the gift of tongues, I do not speak in tongues often. Can I speak in tongues? Yes, I can speak in a good, beautiful language to this people at any time. Why? Because God gave me the gift. He does not give gifts to men and then take them away again, so long as those men are, are doing their duty. They are gifts, and God gives them to men and women, and so long as they improve upon them, they do not forfeit them. And if they do not improve upon them, the devil takes the advantage and will make it appear like the gifts of God which they have possessed as nearly as possible, and thus they go overboard. Okay, so we're on the last page now, page 142. So if you have, if anybody has any questions or comments, you can use the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon, or you can call in the guest call in line is 917-889-8827. Page 142. I do not know why it is that I am led to speak so today, but I am led as I am, and you may judge whether it is right or wrong. Can I interpret tongues? Yes, because that gift is in me, and I have not forfeit it. Is it in Brother Brigham? Yes, and so is with gift, with every gift that God ever gave to his ancient apostles. God has given them to Brother Brigham, and he will never take them away from him. He has the spirit in him, and so have his counselors that can discern your spirits and gifts, whether they are of God or of the devil. When any of you 
get up to speak in tongues, whether you do so by the power of God or the devil, I can tell of which source that tongue came from. And if it is from the Lord, I can interpret it. Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, page 170. However great or small a manifestation may be, people should be very cautious in the discernment of its source. Giving the Lord honor for the devil's manifestations is a sure snare. By the same rule, a gift or manifestation from God should never be branded as the workmanship of the devil. Thus, whenever a supernatural power or influence is made known by God or the devil, the danger or blessings rest with those who witness it. It is the Spirit of God through the Spirit of discernment, which is the greatest, which is of greatest importance to every saint. So when we come back on tomorrow, we'll be in chapter 14, which starts on page 143, and it's obedience to the commandments. So this has been reading chapter 13 of the gift of tongues, and this title of this chapter has been called Evil Tongues. So thank you for listening. We'll go to the live portion of the program at this point. Okay, finally was able to get myself unmuted since Emma decides he doesn't know how to watch the studio the way he's supposed to be. Kim, are you there? Are you on the show or you're on my other phone? Okay, fine. I just unmuted you and Emmett and myself, and I called you right at the same time, so I don't know. Um, Just get on the radio show, I guess. It's live. So anyway, uh, Emmett's supposed to be watching the studio. Yeah, I can hear you. I can't. Okay. Run the studio driving down the road in the semi truck. So for about two, three, four, five minutes, I don't even know how long it was, I'm trying to get the stupid thing to open up, which is what Emmett should be doing. So why is it, Emmett, that you are not on the studio? Because I couldn't open it up. It wouldn't let me. It's being stupid. Oh, you couldn't open it up? Did you try? Yes, I and why did. is there so much background noise on your uh, thing, Kim? Kim? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. What was all that background noise? Um, I don't know. I've got the kids here, Arius here. I'm trying to unload the car. Hello? Yeah. All right. Well, I told you that the recording was an, uh, a little over an hour long, and that started an yep. hour ago, so. Yep. I watched, uh, or I was listening to it. I know you were listening to it, but nobody opened up the studio and did the studio. So, anyway... Um, and I thought you were reading tonight. Yep, that was the plan, and I am here to read. 
Um, I've been here for probably about five to ten minutes and trying to get the car unloaded with the kids, but I haven't seen Emmett at all. Um, Liddy's been doing it all, and uh, the little helped out some, too. Well, I'm Emma was right supposed now. to be in the studio, so, um, hey, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of background noise. I don't know what's going on. But, uh... Hello? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I told Mom I that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Emmett, go get her headset. Get it off your car. Or whatever. It's doing some kind of crap background noises. I don't know why. Mom's headset has been charging, so hopefully it's charged. I don't know why she can't take it with her, but okay. So, all right. You should take a belly breath, and we'll figure it out. It's okay. Okay. I I can only tell you when it is that the recording is going to be over with, and... You know, I don't know. Like, Emmett owns the watch. Don't know why okay, did you have anything it. else that you wanted to say about the reading? No, I am way irritated right now because I just spent the last, like, whatever, trying to get the thing to unmute because I was trying to get my studio to open while I'm driving, which is something I should never do. So I guess I'll yeah. just mute myself and you can get to the reading as soon as you decide to get to the reading. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. Obviously, I have some background noise going on now. Well, you're not in the car anymore, are you? Did you get off the speakerphone? That was probably what was the noise. Kim? Okay, I guess she is running around trying to get the book and everything ready. On the shelf on the I'm trying center. to connect my headset, and that's what I'm trying oh, okay. to do. Okay? Okay. Hold on one okay. second. I'm trying to connect my headset. Okay. Uh, the head of qualifies sure, the Celestial Kingdom book, right? Yeah, I don't know. We haven't read it since last week, so um, I don't know what chapter you guys are on. I think you bookmarked it, hopefully. Yes, we did. Well, I guess I can talk about how my day went yesterday since I was too tired to even talk hardly this morning. So I got home this morning, what, about 6, six o'clock or something like that, Kim? And um, it was really windy all day yesterday. And then uh, the blizzard started, and um, up at Skyline, which is up by Schofield, Utah, there was two trucks that were missing, and they had to send the truck bosses and the pickup trucks over to get to find them. They were parked. They could not move because the, the, the storm was coming in so hard that they could not see. So um, when I was over there at the rail yard, we all go to the same rail yard. Southco goes to that rail yard. We go to the rail yard at Lila. 
and Skyline goes to the rail yard too. Of course, we go to the power plants and some other places, but we all go to the rail yard. Anyway, they were telling the guys last night, do not go back to Skyline. And they were talking about how bad it was up there. And it got bad over here at Lila too, but it didn't last more than maybe 40 minutes. But uh, when I went out, when I parked my truck at the gate right before you go into mine property, they have um, two or they have two men outhouses and one woman outhouse. And uh, because there's only two genders, so you know, and there's more men that do this job than women, but women get their own outhouse. Anyway, so um, I went to uh, go into the outhouse to go to the bathroom real quick. And I couldn't open the door because there was so much ice that the door was completely frozen shut. So I kicked it a bunch of times and broke the ice up enough to where I was able to go into it. But that was last night. And it was cold, cold. It's only 35 degrees right now, and it's 6, no, it's 7.14 p.m. By the way, on the... uh, the Doctrine of Christ website. They're going to be doing a YouTube live stream tonight, I believe, uh, which starts at 8 p.m. Anybody can go to the doctrineofchrist.com or doctrineofchrist.com. I think they have two websites now: the doctrineofchrist.com and the and just doctrineofchrist.com. And uh, usually they do the live stream for YouTube on Tuesday nights, and then they go to Tuesday night meetings on a Zoom call, and we have a pretty good discussion about uh, gospel topics. That is tonight at 8 p.m., right after this radio show is over with. The reason I do the radio show when I do it is because they go from 8 p.m. until they're finished. Sometimes we're on the phone, uh, 11, 12, midnight, whatever, uh, at night, and we're still talking and just talking about gospel topics, which I really enjoy. But they don't record that portion of the program, um, but they do record the teachings portion of the program on YouTube. And then you can also find the Doctrine of Christ or Doctrine of Christ podcast on iTunes and Spotify and a bunch of different places so you can listen to it later as well. Yesterday, they were talking about Isaiah. And um, they're working their way through Isaiah. Last week it was Isaiah 42. This week it was, uh, I can't remember, Isaiah 43 or something. But but it's really good stuff. And I really enjoy the, um, the comments and the questions on that platform. And to tell you the truth, I'm a little bit jealous that we don't have that kind of discussion on this platform because the reason why I pay for a live radio show um, yearly is to have discussion with people, but I, more often than not, I just get, for the most part, anti-Mormons or Christians that don't know anything about the restoration. And uh, and for some reason, we get more than our fair share of Muslims that call in and want to talk about the Quran. Which yes, I have read the Quran, and yes, I have studied the Quran, and knew, uh, no, I do not believe the Quran in its present. Uh, form is uh, uncorrupted. I I believe that things are added to it 
the same as the Bible. And uh, I'm not sure whether or not uh, Muhammad was a prophet or not, but I don't believe he was based on the things in the Quran which contradict the Bible. Now, if his uh, if the teachers after the fact decided to corrupt the Quran, then it makes sense why he may have been a prophet. But because you know what, God wants all of his children to be prophets. He does. He is no respecter of persons, although he does give certain keys to certain people who he calls the Lord's anointed. Peter was the Lord's anointed. Jeremiah and Isaiah in their days were the Lord's anointed. Joseph Smith is the Lord's anointed. And the Lord's anointed today on the earth is not Russell M. Nelson. He doesn't actually have any of the fruits of being a prophet, seer, or revelator, and none of them do at all, not even a little bit. They may be inspired from time to time to run their church the same way that any other Christian church can be inspired from time to time, because guess what? God loves all of his children, and he wants to reveal things to them, and he wants to lead, guide, and direct them, but they damn themselves to their own false doctrines and the precepts of men that they all teach, all of them. We all do. Yeah, even uh, Joseph Smith, as he learned, he had to change some of his views on things. Or he may have been more uh, one way God corrected him over the process of time, and you might see that Joseph Smith himself um, taught one way at the beginning of his ministry, but then through correction changed and taught the true doctrine. So, um, and you know what? People who are led astray by false doctrine of these prophets and these false prophets, they deserve to be led astray because we're all supposed to get revelation for ourselves. We should hear the teachers. We should study these things out to the best of our ability. We should even hear these tongues, even if they uh, might be from a false spirit, if we don't have discernment. But we should take everything that we believe to be true doctrine to God and find out if, if it's true or if it's false. So anyway, um, and that's partly what, what we're learning through how to qualify for the celestial kingdom today. And that's what Jim or James Cox talked about in his Becoming One with Christ seminar, which I highly recommend. Um, I don't think that Desiree, I think it's out of print right now. It's, it's hard to find it. You can find it maybe somebody selling it used on Amazon or on eBay. But, uh, you know, I think I found uh, Becoming One with Christ, the tapes, the cassette tapes on uh, for sale is the only thing that I could find on YouTube a couple weeks ago when I looked it up to see if I could find them. So there's tapes, there's DVDs, and there's CDs. However, we are reading How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom today on this program, and Kim yep. reads it when she has time and when we're not, like yesterday, the program went into overdrive and we weren't able to do it. So, but today we are able to do it. So, Kim, what chapter is it that we're reading today? Chapter 9. 
It's called questions and answers. Questions and answers on the formula of prayer. Okay. All right. I'm going to mute myself. Uh, by the way, guests call in. Can call in live anytime. If I see that you have called in, I will bring you into the screening room first and see what your questions or comments are, and ask you if you want to go live. If not, then I can answer your comments on the air. And you can listen in the box. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. Okay, I'm going to mute myself. Take it away, Kim. Okay. Starting on page 95 in How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom Today by James B. Cox, we're on Chapter 9, Questions and Answers on the Formula of Prayer. I hate to bother Heavenly Father about all of my problems. Many people feel unworthy of spiritual help and therefore do not want to bother Heavenly Father, especially on their little problems. These thoughts are contrary to what the Savior taught. In DNC 636, it says, Look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. In 2 Nephi chapter 32, verses 8 through 9, it says, for if ye would hearken unto the spirit which teacheth a man to pray, ye would know that ye must pray. For the evil spirit teacheth a man not to pray, but teacheth him that he must not pray. But behold, I say unto you that ye must pray always, and not faint, that ye must not perform anything unto the Lord, save it in the first place ye shall pray unto the Father in the name of Christ, that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. End quote from Second Nephi 32, 8 through 9. Yea, this is also a, another quote. This is from Alma chapter 37, verses 36 through 37. Quote, yea, and cry unto, the, unto God for all thy support. Yea, let all thy doings be unto the Lord. And whithersoever thou goest, let it be in the Lord. Yea, let all thy thoughts be directed unto the Lord. Yea, let the affections of thy heart be placed upon the Lord forever. Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings, and he will direct thee for good. End quote. From Alma, chapter 37, verses 36 and 37. But aren't we supposed to do things on our own? If one is seeking to become dependent upon heaven before one makes a move, then he will never become like God. We know that man is equipped to make decisions and act on his own. Um, and then it has a quote in here from Helaman, uh, chapter 14, verse 30, which I would ask Emmett to do. He already knows to do that, but I'm guaranteeing he hasn't gone ahead and looked. So I will look for it myself, Helaman. And we're on chapter 14, verse 30. And I like to read the one before and after. So uh, 29 says, And this to the intent that whosoever will believe might be saved, and that what whosoever will not believe, a righteous judgment might come upon them. And also, if they are condemned, they bring upon themselves their own condemnation. Chapter, or verse 30. And now remember, remember, my brethren, that whosoever perishes, perisheth unto himself, and whosoever doth in iniquity, who, I'm sorry, whosoever doeth iniquity, doeth it unto himself. For, for behold, ye are free, 
ye are permitted to act for yourselves. For behold, God hath given unto you a knowledge, and he hath made you free. Chapter, or verse 31, in the last verse of this chapter. He hath given unto you that ye might know good from evil, and he hath given unto you that ye might choose life or death, and ye can do good and be restored unto that which is good, or have that which is good restored unto you, or ye can do evil and have that which is evil restored unto you. Continuing on in um, How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom. Why then run back to Heavenly Father every time one needs to make a decision? Everyone who has ever lived was placed upon this earth to walk alone through many experiences, physical, mental, financial, marital, with accidents, death, warfare, loss of loved ones, business, and social successes, and failure, and so on. Heavenly Father will not go through these experiences for us, but he is available to guide us and strengthen us as we walk through these growth experiences. We should stay close to him for guidance and advice. His advice is, is free, and it is always correct. Heavenly Father is the best partner possible if we intend to be successful. As the saying goes, you can live without God, but you cannot succeed without him. But often, we ask for help and receive none. When the path we are on is right, Heavenly Father chooses to let us walk alone. We must plan, challenge ourselves, endure, and exercise faith to overcome. And the heavens can and will give assistance and direction. If Heavenly Father feels his help is needed, he will intervene in our behalf by checking with heaven in all things as we perform to do the best of our abilities. We can become prepared to receive revelation when it is needed. Bruce R. McConkie has said, um, this is from Bruce R. McConkie Agency or Inspiration, New Era, January 1975, pages 38 through 39, quote, and so we're faced with two propositions. One is that we ought to be guided by the spirit of inspiration, the spirit of revelation. The other is that we're here under a direction to use our agency to determine what we ought to do on our own. And we need to strike a fine balance between these two. If we're going to pursue a course that will give us joy, satisfaction, and peace in his life, in this life, and lead to eternal reward in our Father's kingdom. The solution is, um, okay, so that's the end quote from Bruce R. McConkie, Agency or Inspiration, New Era, January 1975, pages 38 through 39. The solution is to always keep the channels to heaven open for guidance. No one will receive revelation until he exercises his free agency and decides what he should do to solve each problem. Looking at B and C, chapter 9, verses 7 through 9, it says, B and C, chapter 9, verse 7 through 9. Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed that I would give it unto you, when you took no thought save it was to ask me. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind, then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn 
within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. But if it be not right, you shall have no, no such feelings. But you shall have a stupor of thought that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. Therefore, you cannot write that which is sacred, save it be given to you from me. Okay. Heavenly Father is always there to help when help is necessary. When we use the formula of prayer, we can be assured that the solution or the enduring or the overcoming will be achieved. Elder George Q. Cannon testifies um, in George Q. Cannon Journal of Discourse, Volume 15, page 375, quote, We of all people should be happy and joyful. When the clouds seem the darkest and most threatening, and as though the storm is ready to burst upon us with all its fury, we should remain calm, serene, and undisturbed. For if we have the faith we profess to have, we know that God is in the storm, in the cloud, or in the threatened danger, and that he would not let it come upon us only as far as it is necessary for our good and for our salvation. And quote from George Q. Cannon, Journal of Discourse, volume 15, page 375. Does Heavenly Father always hear my prayers? Hmm. Yes. Alma, 1832. Um, Emmett, are you listening? Okay, then I would love for you to be on the same page as me and look at all the quotes that are about to come up from different places. And when I say them, I would like you to say whether or not you have that quote. Okay? Okay, I don't have the book, though. Where's the other one? Do you know? Look up James 1, 5 through 7. Okay. I'm looking up yeah. Alma 1832 right now. 1832 says, And Ammon said, Yea, and he looketh down upon all the children of men, and he knows all the thoughts and intents of the heart. For by his hand were they all created from the beginning. He knows each one of us. Um, and now I'm going to read in Matthew 6, 8. Okay, 6, 8 says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore pray. And then it talks about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I love that prayer. Okay. Uh, now Emmett's going to read uh, James 1, 5 through 7. And it says, what preparations do I need to make in order to receive revelation? Number one, you must attain a state of mind known as faith, by which nothing wavering, you can remove all doubts and fears. Go ahead, Emmett. James 1, 5 through 7. Okay. Uh, it's uh, if you or if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God, 
who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Uh, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And, and that's that. Good. Emma, look up, um, Emmett, look up Alma 32.8, please. Um, and this is D&C chapter 6, verses 36. Look unto me in every thought. Doubt not. Fear not. Thirty-two-eight. Alma thirty-two-eight. Emmett, do you have that? Okay, go ahead. Okay, got it. I behold that ye are lowly in heart, and if so, blessed are ye. Okay, and now can you look up Matthew five twenty-two through twenty-four? You must have love for God and all men. This, Second Nephi, chapter 31, verse 20, says, Wherefore, ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And now behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is none other way, nor name given under heaven, whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and the only and true doctrine of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen. Do you have that ready, Emmett? Uh, yeah, can you just say it one more time? Because I was reading through and it doesn't seem like it fits. Okay, so you might have got the wrong one. Is that Matthew what you're 5, 21 to 24? 22 to 24. Oh, 22. Okay. That makes sense. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who anyone who says to a brother or sister... Raka is answerable to the court, and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your guilt. Awesome. And could you please look up DNC 9 verses 8 through 9. And this next part says, you must qualify for the companionship of the Holy Ghost. Um, does anybody else hear a buzzing? Or is that me? Yeah, I can hear a buzzing. I don't know what it is. It sounds like somebody's shaving their face. Are you muted? Yeah, I'm muted. I don't hear anything. Um, maybe it's your mic giving feedback or something. I don't know. I don't hear it right now. No, I don't hear that either. Emmett's hearing other voice, ever, other voices. Emmett's hearing other things. He's not hearing the same thing that we are. Oh, his headset just died. Okay, maybe that was the problem. 
Anyways, continuing on, you must qualify for the companionship of the Holy Ghost. In DNC 8, verses 2 through 3, it says, Yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. Now behold, this is the spirit of revelation. Behold, this is the spirit by which Moses brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground. Therefore, this is thy gift. Apply it unto Apply unto it, and blessed art thou, for it shall deliver you out of the hands of your enemies, when, if it were not so, they would slay you and bring your souls to destruction. Hey, Mom, what page are you on in the book? 97. Okay. President Marion G. Romney has stated, this is from Marion G. Romney, How to Improve My Communications with the Lord, Improvement Era, April 1966, page 275. We're on page 98 now, Emmett. Quote, if you would obtain and keep the guidance of the Spirit, you can do it by, the following, by following these this simple three-part program. First, pray diligently. Learn to talk to the Lord. Call upon his name in great faith and confidence. Second, live righteously. Repent of your sins by confessing them and forsaking them. Then conform to the teachings of the gospel and give service to the church. Third, study. Study the gospel as you might might sciences and other scholastic courses. If you will do these things, you will get the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and you will go through this world successfully, regardless of what the people of this world do. Use the above as a checklist to see if you are prepared. I'm sorry, that must have been the end quote, Um, but that's from Marion G. Romney, How to Improve My Communications with the Lord, Improvement Era, April 1966, page 275. Use the above checklist as a checklist to see if you are prepared to receive revelation. If not, then you must prepare yourself so that you may enjoy that gift. Why do I feel confused many times when I pray? There could be several reasons. Perhaps you are not living worthy of the companionship of the Holy Ghost, or perhaps you really do not want to hear the answer that you know is right. Perhaps you have not made the spiritual preparations necessary to receive an answer. Perhaps you are trying to receive answers when you do not like yourself or someone else. For example, Tom is trying to decide between going to church today or staying home because he has a headache. As long as Tom keeps asking Heavenly Father which one he should do, he will only maintain confusion. Why? Because the laws of heaven require that he decide himself what to do and then ask for a confirmation. Emmett, DMC, chapter 9, verse 8 through 9. Yeah, I have that pulled up right now. Hold on. Uh, But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. But if it is not right, you shall have no such feelings. But you shall shall have a separate thought that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. Therefore, you cannot write that that which is sacred, save it be given you from me. Yeah, super. Yeah. It's a weird word. Mary and G. Romney suggests, again, um, from How to Improve My Communications with the Lord Improvement Era, April 1966, still page 275, quote, study your problems and prayerfully make a decision. Then take that decision and say to the Lord in simple, honest supplication, Father, I want to make the right decision. I want to do the right thing. 
this is what I think I should do. Let me know if it is the right course. Doing this, you can get the burning in your bosom if you, your decision is right. If you do not get the burning, then change your decision and submit a new one. End quote from How to Improve My Communications with the Lord Improvement Era, April 1966, page 275. Therefore, in our example, Tom finally decides to go to church, and as he's making preparations to do so, his heart is still drawn out in prayer. Uh, Emmett is going to read Alma, chapter 34, verse 27. He will thus receive a good feeling in his heart and know that he will be blessed for going. Or Tom could decide to stay home and rest so that his headache can go away. As his heart is drawn out in prayer, as he rests, he will either receive a good feeling or he will receive feelings that he is denying himself certain blessings and choosing not to attend church. Emmett, do you have that? Alma 34, 27? Yeah, I had it pulled up when we first did it because I have the book now, so I'm going ahead. Um, I'm going to read this. Yea, and when you do not cry unto the Lord, let your hearts be full, drawn out in prayer unto him continually for your welfare, and also for the welfare of those who are around you. End of the quote. If one is trying to decide between two investments, and can you stop that so I'm not echoing? Thank you. He should select one and then ask, seek, and knock. During those three phases, he will receive a good feeling or a negative feeling. Remember that each person is responsible for his own choice and for the results of that choice. If the investment comes out sour, he ought to be careful in concluding that prayer is of little worth. For that loss may be the very training that he will need for the next investment analysis, which could prove fruitful and through which he may recover any previous losses. He should remember that it may take several losses before he is trained to select investments that will help him reach his goal of financial independence. What happens if I'm trying to decide between several investments and I have not yet made up my mind? How can the Lord help me? If I had not yet decided on an investment but felt a need to explore more before deciding, I would use the formula of prayer to accomplish this exploration. For example, my family decided to look at the possibility of going into a family business. We thought we might open a bookstore because the boys could work there during the regular high school year and the girls during the summer months to earn money for college. As we prayed about it as a family, we felt good about the project. This was our confirmation from Heavenly Father that he felt pleased. We knew, however, that even though Heavenly Father felt good about it, this did not mean that the business would succeed. We still had to do the work, learning the business, pay the cost, and accomplish our objectives. Next, we entered the seeking phase. Ideas, suggestions, and problems were placed on the blackboard. Finances, building site, how much time would the project take, how would the economy affect it all. Assignments were made to seek out the necessity, the necessary solutions and answers. The knocking phase was now in operation. As we gathered our facts, ideas came into our minds of other things we should look for, such as competition, the best location for the store, and time and devotion to the store would demand, or the time and devotion that the store would demand. In this, we again sought for Heavenly Father's help. When at last all the facts were in, we felt excited about the available possibilities. But were we willing to lock ourselves into a business which would not allow us the flexibility to go and come as we desired? 
this became very important. Flexibility has always been an important factor in our life. After much consideration and further prayer, we knew that the price we would have to pay to enter the bookstore business was too great. Our family experiences show that we need to select and evaluate before asking for confirmation. We need to carefully evaluate the price so that we can make a commitment. When we are able to make a commitment to act, then we can expect the confirmation. Some people merely ask, and when they receive a warm feeling inside as a confirmation, they assume that this means that the Lord will make sure of their financial success. In actuality, it means only that the Lord approved of their coming experience. Having not really evaluated the price they will have to pay for the experience and faced at last with paying that price, they began to question the Lord and the value of prayer. Or worse yet, when the price proves too great and they fail, or really have to struggle to pay the price, they assume that having a confirmation, they must have failed the Lord because if they were more worthy, the venture would have succeeded. I have felt good during my prayers, but what I have prayed about still did not come out as I had expected. Some members make the mistake of assuming that Heavenly Father has approved their whole package when they receive a good feeling in in the asking phase. But the confirmation is simply the signal to continue in the formula of prayer, to study it out and thoroughly evaluate the price. My wife and I prayed about going into a business venture, and we felt good about it. Once we got all the facts, we then had to decide whether the venture was good and honorable and whether we wanted to pay the price. We did decide to pay the price and then asked for a further confirmation of that decision and received confirmation. But five years later, we were broke and heavily in debt. Does this mean that Heavenly Father had deserted us or that we were unworthy or that our experience was of little value? Not at all. We found that in the process of working toward our prayed for level of financial independence, our business failures were the very training we needed to at last succeed. I know a family that twice went broke as they sought their goal of financial independence because they were honest in their business dealings. They tightened their belts and found ways to double their income in order to pay their debts. When the debts were paid off, they had increased their ability to earn money and now could invest the extra money earned. They later suffered another business failure and had to find ways to, again, double their income. The interesting thing is that 15 years before they had set a goal to be financially independent in 20 years, and Heavenly Father had approved. At the end of the 20th year, they achieved their goal. In the above example, it took the couple 15 years to prepare themselves to to understand and accept the plans needed to reach their goal. After the plan was received and finally understood, it took only five years for them to achieve the goal. This principle is true in all of our relationships. It is as true in improving a marriage or family situation as it is in improving a business. What is the difference between confirmation, stupor of thought, and no answer? First of all, each of us has the light of Christ and really can tell with a perfect knowledge the difference between good and evil. Secondly, assuming we are using the light that we have been given, we will receive the answer to our prayer in our mind and in our heart. And it's going to read D&C, chapter 8, verses 2 through 3. Okay, my phone's being kind of dumb, but yeah, I have it pulled up. 
DNC section 8, 2 to 3. Yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. Now behold, this is the spirit of revelation. Behold, this is the spirit by which Moses brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground. End of that quote. We will feel a warm sensation within our breast. Now he's going to read DMC 9, verse 8. My phone's having kind of a slow day today, but yeah, I have it pulled up. <laughs> okay, it was 8. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind, and you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. Yeah, that's that one. And then we got James chapter 4, 3 in a little bit. Yeah, but not right now, so I'll just keep reading this. Okay. Okay. Hold on, I was just getting a drink. Okay. If we are seeking more light and knowledge or ideas to answer our prayers in the seeking phase, we will experience a flow of intelligence in our minds, which will lead us toward what we needed to answer our prayer. We will experience the three signs of this type of revelation. It will enlighten our understanding, enlarge our soul, and be very delicious to us. We will feel a desire for more of this type of help. Alma 32, 28. Which I also pulled up. Uh, let me read that real quick. Now we will compare the word unto a seed. Now if you give... Or if ye give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, if it be a true seed or a good seed, if ye do not cast it out by your unbelief, that ye will resist the spirit of the Lord, behold, it will begin to swell within your breasts, and when you feel these swelling motions, ye will begin to say within yourselves, or yourselves, it must needs be that this is a good seed, or that the word is good. For it beginneth to enlarge my soul, yea, it beginneth to enlighten my understanding, yea, it beginneth to be delicious to me. And that's the end of that. But what happens if we receive no answer? Hold on, I'm echoing now, so I have to wait for Emmett to mute his thing. Okay. First, we should check to see if our request is appropriate. James chapter 4, verse 3. He just looked at me like, oh, wait, that's me. (laughs) I haven't looked up, but I was like thinking off in the distance, like, okay. And then she like says it. I'm like, wait. (laughs) Okay, James 4, 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Uh, That's that. And Lydia just hit her kneecap on the computer. No, she just dumped water on me. You didn't see that? 
that's why I just smiled and I was like, okay, second, <laughs> we should evaluate whether our faith is sufficient to expect an answer and to abide by the answer when it is received. still dripping on me. Can you wipe it up? Do we feel good about ourselves, Heavenly Father, and others? Third, have we followed the formula of prayer, made a decision, sought for help, and then done all we could do? Finally, if time is short, and we have done all the things to receive revelation, then Heavenly Father is allowing us to act on our own. Elder Richard G. Scott, oh, sorry, it doesn't say G, sorry. (laughs) I'm just that name, I suppose. Elder Richard Scott of the first quorum of the 70 has suggested three possible results of prayer. This comes from Richard G. Scott, oh, totally called it, 1978 (laughs) Devotional Speeches of the Year. Provo Brigham Young University Press, 1979, page 102. Quote, Permit me to share something with you that I feel is sacred. I have found by personal experience and have had confirmed so repeatedly that I know it is true, that when we follow the laws of prayer given us of God, one of three things happens. First, we will feel that peace, that comfort, that assurance, that certainty, that our decision is right. Or second, we will feel that uncomfortableness, that stupor of thought, and we know that what we have chosen is wrong. Or third, and this is a difficult one, we feel nothing. What do you do when you do not feel an answer? I have come to thank the Lord with all my heart when that occurs, for it is an evidence of his trust. End quote. That's from Richard G. Scott, 1978 Devotional Speeches of the Year, Provo, Brigham Young, University Press, 1979, page 102. This next quote from President Joseph F. Smith says in Gospel Doctrine, 9th edition. (laughs) It is not an evidence of of God's trust when you don't get an answer. That (laughs) That means that you need to continue to study it out and to stop bringing things to him only halfway studied out. You've got to you've got to be diligent in studying it out in order to get an answer. You know, so if he doesn't give you an answer, that means you need to study it out more. Not that oh, I guess so. I guess I didn't get anything, so it's all good. Now, you know, if it's something like should I put uh, pirate ship wallpaper on my kids' bedroom walls or not, you know, that might not, you know, that might be, uh, you know, he's not going to answer that. He might say, yeah, your kid would love that. Yay. You know, cause our kids are his kids, but you know, if he doesn't answer that, then, you know, it's, sometimes it's just that we have our own decisions. We can make our own choices, but if it's a doctrinal thing and he's not answering you or confirming it, that means you need to continue to study it out until you get an answer and ask for inspiration and guidance as you seek it out diligently, not half-heartedly like some of these people. God, they told me the Book of Mormon is true. Is it really true? And then you never read it. Like, he's not going to answer that. Or it might be that 
you're asking several things all at once, and some of it's true and some of it's false, so you're not going to get an answer. That Those are different scenarios where you're not going to get an answer because you need to study, uh, you know, study it out and then also line upon line, here a little, there a little. That's, that's actually a big thing that we should be doing. Anyway, okay, proceed. <laughs> But the first answer is more fun, because then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay, he didn't think that was funny. <laughs> okay, continuing on, President Joseph F. Smith said in Gospel Doctrine, 9th edition, Salt Lake City Deseret Book Company, 1952, pages 60 through 61, quote, the presentation or gift of the Holy Ghost simply confers upon a man the right to receive at any time when he is worthy of it and desires it, the power and light of the truth of the Holy Ghost, although he may often be left to his own spirit and judgment. End quote from Joseph F. Smith, Gospel Doctrine, 9th edition, Salt Lake City, Deseret Book Company, 1952, page 60 through 61. Sometimes Heavenly Father may not care which activity we engage in, for both may be good. Both may bring us needed growth and experience. It is by design that he allows us to decide and act. And it's going to read in Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 58, verses 26 through 28. And we have 10 seconds left in the live streaming. So if you wanted to call in to hear the rest of this, then you can do so at 917-889-8827. It also might be too late to do that, and you'll have to catch it on the rerun. <laughs> Go ahead, Emmett. Yeah, I would have gotten the, the quote sooner, or not the quote, the, the, that sooner. Uh, but I was going to check the food the hoodie is making in there because I didn't want it to burn. Um, is it so, burning? So let me get back to the quote because I already had it looked up, but I, I realized that, so I wanted to check the studio. Uh, 58, DMC 58, 26 yep, I, through 28. I know, I had it pulled up. It's just being both. Yeah, okay, here we go, here we go. Okay, I'm going to read it now. For behold, it is not meat that I should command in all things. For he that is compelled in all things, the same is a slothful and not a wise servant. Wherefore, he receives no reward. Verily I say... Men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of their own free will and bring to pass much righteousness. For the powers in them wherein they are agents unto themselves, and inasmuch as men do good, they shall be in no wise lose their reward. That's weird. Like, no wise. We can choose several places to live. And several different occupations to earn a living, all of which may be acceptable to him. But we still need to check with him to see if our decision does matter. Or if we need to seek more ways to determine the price we will have to pay to accomplish the purposes of our prayer. If we have time, we may follow President Romney's suggestion. This comes from Marion G. Romney, How to Improve My Communication with the Lord, Improvement Era, April 1966, page 275. <clears throat> Quote, I know from my own experience that prayer is the pathway by which we may come into contact with God and receive direction from him. 
there have been times in my life when it was very difficult for me to get through the, to the Lord. And when I have, when I've had to fast and pray for periods each week over long months of time, but it can be done and you can pray to the father and receive help in your problems. One need not make serious mistakes in life. If you can learn to walk by the spirit, you can make every decision in your life correctly. End quote. From Marion G. Romney, How to Improve My Communication with the Lord, Improvement Era, April 1966, page 275. Next question, how do I know if the Holy Ghost is speaking to me or not? Do what you feel impressed to do, and you will know. John, chapter 8, verse 32. And, and also D&C, section 84, verse 46. I'm going to read that. Hold on. I have both of them. Hold up. Ha, take that. <laughs> then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That, that's the John one, uh, ch- chapter 8, verse 32. And we got D&C, section 8, 84, uh, verse 46, which is way down on the page, about halfway through, because that is a long section, I guess. Therefore, let the morrow take thought for the things of itself. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. <laughs> that's 8484. Okay. <laughs> Mom, stop making me laugh. I'm trying to read. And the Spirit giveth light to every man that cometh into the world, and the Spirit enlighteth every man through the world that hear, or not, that hearkeneth to the voice of the Spirit. That's weird how it's cut off. It's cut off, it says here, and then I'm like, one of the next line, it's all Kenneth. But with like one of those hyphens at the beginning of that for some reason. Yeah, I know. Okay. Okay. Take the next. Most often, we walk by faith. We do not have a perfect knowledge. Alma thirty-two twenty-one. Uh, Alma thirty-two twenty-one says, "Cross, And now, as I said concerning faith, faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, if ye have faith, be hope for things. Which are not seen, which are true. Uh, end quote. We must walk to the edge of the light and then into the darkness where we can have little or no experience and act with faith. That's from Boyd K. Packer, Faith Improvement Era, November 1968, page 62. Try this. Write in your journal what you have felt impressed to do and then do it. Then several months later, go back and review your journal. You will find that with some modifications, your prayer was answered. Those who ask, how do I know? Usually are not following the revelations that are already received. They choose to doubt the revelation because they are not sure that it will work. They are not willing to walk by faith and choose to remove all doubt and uncertainty from their minds and trust Heavenly Father. For most people, the confirmation of the spirit comes more often in the knocking phase than in the asking phase. But many people never move beyond the asking phase, and therefore they seldom experience the burning within their bosom. It has been my experience that one must keep his mind and heart open to Heavenly Father during all phases of prayer. As one carries out the to-do list in the knocking phase, and as one has the true attitude of prayer, more revelation comes. The list of possibilities is expanded. We must then ask Heavenly Father for additional help or insight 
to carry out the suggestions received in the seeking phase. When I receive a good feeling about my request, does this mean that Heavenly Father has approved the whole package? Hmm. A young man wanted to get married. He was dating several girls. He was praying one evening about marrying a specific young lady whom he really liked. A warm yes came over his whole being. He arose happily from his knees because he knew he had received a confirmation. Did Heavenly Father say yes to his getting married and that he would surely be very happy with this young lady? Did Heavenly Father also say the young man was ready for marriage financially and spiritually and that young lady would marry him and that the next month was the time to get married? The results of one's actions are always his own responsibility. Receiving answers to prayer does not transfer his responsibility to Heavenly Father. I mean, nobody can hear you. If we go back to the formula of prayer, we can see that this young man was only in the asking phase. When he got a confirmation, he now needed to go to step number two, seek. He should ask, what can I do next to prepare for marriage? Inspiration would flow to him. And as he carried out these suggestions, he would learn more about the prices of his prospective marriage. Perhaps he would begin to see some areas where he needed more time to prepare. At the same time, the young lady would need to do her own praying and listening and selecting. As they both work through the formula, they would know if and when they should be married and when they had made their decision. They would be ready to ask Heavenly Father to confirm their decision. Regardless of the difficulties these two people would surely experience in marriage, they would always know that Heavenly Father had said yes and that they could make it together if they so choose. They would need to accept full responsibility for their decisions and be willing to struggle and sacrifice in their marriage so that they might have their prayers fulfilled as Heavenly Father had promised. Okay, so I have something to say about a lot of things here, but I haven't stopped because I'm almost to the end of the chapter, and so everything's been accumulating a whole lot here, and this might not make sense to everybody, but I have a little bit of testimonial to talk about here and a little bit of, like, you know, just life, okay? So, yeah, so I don't know how much of the listening audience knows this, but... We had a really rough year last year. We were expecting a little baby girl. There was faults of doctors and hospitals, and the baby girl did not live, okay? And I was hospitalized for a while. She only lived for 13 hours, and then she passed away. And I prayed my heart out. My family prayed their heart out. Everybody we knew was praying, okay? And I am so thankful that I lived through it because it was very threatening to me and to my life. Um, But my daughter didn't live, and so therefore making it hard for me to want to live also, except for that I have this family with all of my kids and my husband. And, And I am here for them, and that makes my life whole. Still with that little part, just this hole where I don't feel 
like we are all here and complete. However, um, with that being said, before that experience, my whole entire life, I have always prayed and always received answers. And I know that God lives. I know that he hears me. I know that I am loved by him. I have always known this. It was a fun, kind of a joke, this ongoing thing with my family, my close friends, everybody that I have ever known. They would say, oh, tell Kim to pray for it because then, you know, it will be fine. Everything will be okay. God hears her. God answers her prayers. And it was just this, this known. Everybody had faith in my prayers. They had faith because of the answers that I had always gotten. I knew, knew that everything was going to be fine until last year. Okay? And this is where my confession comes in. Last year, though we prayed our hearts out, my little girl still died. I still went through that. That, like, I can't even talk about it now without even having tears in my eyes. And I felt so abandoned. I felt so let down. I know that it was an experience that I had to go through. I know that it was, um, it was a learning experience for me, for all of our children, for my family, for my husband. It was this great learning experience, and it was something that we had to go through. And However, you... a, lot of, a lot of these things that are being said in here, I felt those. Like, what did I do wrong? What did we do wrong? What did, you know, what did the baby do wrong? You know, who was at fault? There was a fault. Somebody had to be at fault. Something happened. You know, um, we prayed about it. You know, Mark knew that even before um, she was born, he knew but was praying that she was not going to make it, that it was not going to be okay. And I did not want to believe him, even though it says that we should hear him in all things. I was in denial. Hold on, Kim. And I was like, okay. She was viable. She was fine, and she was healthy. They expected her to live. There was like an 89 or 90% chance that she would live. But we didn't know when God told me that she wouldn't live what would happen at the delivery table, which is why she died. So when that happened, I, to say the least, was a little bit upset, okay? I was mad. Why? You know, the questioning behind the whole thing in my mind was, if he is all-knowing and almighty and all-encompassing in everything, and just amazing God, like he is, because he is my God, and I know that he is, then why could he not have saved her? You know, why could, why? Just like all of the questions. And I know that if you are a parent who has ever lost a child, you have the same thing. It drives you insane because you just don't get over it. You just can't. And so it constantly is swimming around in circles, you know, for, I, I, I don't know, probably for the rest of my life. Anyways, and I, 
always am, am thinking this. Like, uh, the doctors tell me it's nothing that you could have done. There's, you know, it wasn't you. It was, you know, unforeseen. It wasn't preventable, all of the things, to try to make you feel better. However, I believe in God. I know there's a God, and I believe in science, and I know that God is an ultimate scientist and chemist and all of the things. And because he is, I know that he could have saved her, that he could have known what to do, what had happened. He could have, but he did not. And so since that experience a year and a half ago, since that one experience, though my prayers always had been answered, and I knew with a sureness, with faith, understanding, knowing, believing, just all of the things that they say about prayers and in this and in scriptures and everything I have ever heard and read about them, all of it with my prayers were 100% always answered and everything worked out for the better, for me, for my family, for um, everybody, all the things that I had ever prayed about. Then this one thing happened, this one thing that wasn't insignificant. This was a really big deal to me. This was everything to me. And the prayer was not answered the way that I wanted it to be. It wasn't even close to the way I wanted it to be, the way that everybody was hoping it would be. And because of this one thing, it really, it did not shake my face. I know there's a God. So it really hurt my relationship with God because I felt like there has to be something that I did wrong and that's the only reason that this didn't work out. There is some reason that he doesn't love me anymore, that he did not, um, he did not agree or support my decision. Um, there are times when I feel like, okay, it was something I had to go through and I had to learn that. And what kind of God would want anybody to go through that kind of misery? That is abhorrent. It's ridiculous. I don't believe it. I don't believe that God should want anybody to have that experience. However, we did go through it. So anyways, with that being said, and what we're talking about here, having experiences, I know that the experiences that I have had, all of them have helped to build me up in faith and in um, hope and and just knowing God and knowing he loves me and knowing that he can do all things and everything is made right in him and all of the things that it says in scriptures that we have been reading tonight, I know those to be true. And then there is that one case that I don't understand, that my mind still, my body, it just does not comprehend that. And so I understand that you might be in a different stage when it's coming to these types of prayers and understanding that you are worthy and that God still does love you. I know because I have been through those things and they are really hard. And I know that you can feel like he doesn't love you anymore. He doesn't listen to you. I understand that. And it's confusing and life can be confusing. Your prayers get confusing, but I do know that the way that they are explaining of how to pray and 
how they're explaining um, this formula of how to work through your prayers and even the way they're telling you to study it. Study it and learn it. I understand that that does work and it is true. And maybe just like I needed to study it out again, because sometimes when we feel lost, when we feel like, you know, something knocks us down so far that we're having a hard time with even the basics that we knew of a surety to be true before, maybe it's time to go back over and rethink the way we, we do things, rethink the way that we're doing our prayers so that we can get better at it, so we can get better with our relationship with God, so we can learn to trust again because, honestly, my trust was so wavering. I just, I would pray and I'm, you know, I know that you're there. I know that you can hear me, but I don't entirely trust that what you're going to allow or have happen is going to be um, in my favor or best interest. I mean, I know it's in my best interest because he is all-knowing, and it is so that we can learn. But my trust was very shaken over this. And I know that if we go back and we try again and we do this again, I know that it will work out. But again, it's just, you know, getting back on. Yes, getting back on that wagon. Yes, what did you want to say, Mark? Well, there's the two things. Um, I think everybody goes, even the most faithful, go through a hard time trusting him from time to time, like Job. You know, there was none right, more righteous in the earth than Job in his day, and he had issues. You know, um, God has told, Jesus has told me that, that, they, that he has allowed the things that have happened in my life to happen to me for his wise purpose. And I'm not going to go into detail, but I've been through some really bad things, uh, so much so that I've been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder over the things that happened to me. So, like, I understand that we go through things and that it builds us, uh, it shapes us and molds us. But at the same time, sometimes I don't trust God because I don't know what he's going to make me go through next because it's for my own good, you know? And I, I just want a break, and I just want a normal life and whatever. Um, I think one of the things that makes Emma so hard for me is that we have both seen him miraculously heal. We have seen miracles. We know that he lives because we've seen him, but we know that he lives because of the miracles that have happened in our lives. Like, just take, for instance, when you got COVID and you were extremely sick and you couldn't, I had to come pick you up. Yeah. And and you asked me for a blessing to heal you. And uh, God told me to spit into my hands and anoint the spit and then lay on your hands and heal you with it. How long did it take that that COVID to leave you? It was so quickly. A couple hours. An hour and a half, yeah, it maybe. Was it wasn't even that long. Yeah. Yeah. And if so he can, if he can stop miracles. the winds, yeah, if he can stop well, yeah. the winds, if he can bring breath back into somebody, if he breathes breath, breath into people well, and heals them so miraculously, then why not Emma? Wanda's daughter 
and Puerto Rico stopped breathing and the ambulance wasn't there. And she contacted me. She said, please pray for my daughter. And I asked her what her full name was and I commanded her to be whole. And when I said amen, she started breathing again and the disease that killed her, but she didn't die, but it was killing her. It was completely healed, gone. And then what Kim was talking about with the wind, my truck, my trailer's going to tip over because of how bad the wind was. And I would have lost my job. And I was freaked out. And he told me to command the wind to stop. And I, you know, and it stopped. And so we've seen these miracles, really powerful miracles. But when I prayed for permission to heal Emma, that she might be fine and, and make it through the delivery. Mm-hmm. And it had something I that he that needed to say. I knew that she wouldn't live because that was her decision. And we've talked okay. about why. Anyway, and I also Emma. wanted to say something. He said um, he just got the feeling and the impression. Go ahead, Emmett. Tell everybody what you just told me. Like a few minutes ago, I'm making jalapeno poppers because they're my favorite. But like, I just had this thought pop into my head, and I was like, oh, I'm going to forget this. I need to say it. And I almost forgot it like twice. But uh, we met someone or something. This is what I thought. It'll be because of what happened to Emma that we wouldn't have met otherwise if that hadn't happened. Um, and that's what I thought about that. And it just like popped in my head all of a sudden. Okay. And then I let him know. And with a surety, I know that this is what happened, and I don't know if she's listening to this program or not. We met somebody, uh, my nurse, one of my nurses named Tisha, and she cried with me, and she laughed with me, and she cried a lot more with me. But she listened. So Mark would come up to visit and try to stay with me and support me while I was stuck there. Um, And she would ask questions, and she... um, would she learned things um, through Mark and was asking questions about it. She later friend requested me. We're actually friends on Facebook, and we do um, respond and talk with each other um, through their just on experience and life things that are happening now. Um, Emmett just said, I didn't know that. Well, no, he didn't. But there are people that we did meet while we went through that. However, she still could have lived and I could have met her. <laughs> I know I'm a thinker, but that's what I believe. And I know, I do know, Mark, what you are saying, that it was her choice. But I'm her mommy and I know best. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't want her to not live. Well, we got a I hold of her for 13 me. hours. We didn't get a hold of Ezekiel. At least we yeah. got to hold her. So uh, the other thing that's really hard for us is that the damage done during the pregnancy because of the emergency C-section makes it so that we probably won't be able to have any more children, and we really wanted more. So it just makes it's like a double hit, you know, yeah. a double whammy on us. I'm going in the depths. So. Okay, I am going to continue on. It says, do we always feel the influence of the Holy Ghost if we are worthy? It says, no. 
read Hugh B. Brown's statement as reported by Truman Madsen, then a mission president in New England. This is from Truman G. Madsen, Can You Have the Spirit of God All the Time? Church News, Deseret News, Salt Lake City, February 29, 1964, page 5, quote, it was at the mission home. We sat down in the midst of a tight schedule with President Hubie Brown, several missionaries luxuriating in his spirit, grasped at the moment to ask questions. Can you have the spirit of God all the time? Asked one. And how do you cope with the dark hours? He looked away for a moment, reflecting. My life experience proves me to be one thing the Lord knows and the Lord cares. When you are blessed with the communion or the sunshine of the spirit, you bask in it, drink it in to prepare for the hours when you are left to yourself to pull you through the darkness. I have never been able to synchronize my watch with the Lord's timetable. We are his instruments and his will does not always correspond with ours, but we must go on or we are lost and have no promise. Even the savior cried out, on the cross, why hast thou forsaken me? End quote from Truman G. Madsen. Can you have the spirit of God all the time? Church News, Deseret News, Salt Lake City, February 29th, 1964, page 5. The Holy Ghost withdraws itself from time to time in order for us to become like God. We need to have the experience of walking according to our own light and knowledge. We must pray, read the scriptures, love God and others, and then choose what we will do to succeed. We are responsible. Heavenly Father wants us to succeed, but we must go through the experience ourselves. Even the Savior in his final hour had to suffer for the sins of the world without the help of the Spirit. He had to walk that alone, but he knew that the course he was on was correct. He had strong confirmation of that, but he still requested that the cup might pass, but nevertheless, thy will be done. End quote, or that's the end of that chapter. And then with that, I still have stuff to say, so hold on a minute before you start talking. Now, with that being said, and this is so perfect to my other thoughts that I was having while I was reading that, though we did lose Emma and Ezekiel, and we go through our fair share of trials, I know with unwavering knowledge that I was intended for my husband, Mark. I know that God told me to marry him and bear him children to ease his burden. Now, we have had three other children, which makes his light life. His life light, (laughs) that was backwards. It makes his heart light. It makes him happy. He loves them with all of his heart, and he laughs at each of our children all the time. He laughs with them, at them. (laughs) He loves them. So I know that we went through the experience that we had to go through in order to learn and to grow, and to be better servants of God, to help to serve God in the ways that he needs us to. I understand that. 
Does it make the experience any better? No, it does not. It doesn't make me any less sour on the whole thing. And it does make me stop and think and, you know, just ponder over it. It makes me hurt. It makes me very sad. But I do know that through prayer, I found my eternal companion and who I am meant to be a help me of for eternity. And I do know that God has his own wise purpose and reasoning through all of this. And I do trust him. There is always going to be up and downs, I suppose. Always. Some of them are more difficult experiences than others. I mean, yeah, his plan is the best plan. Ours isn't. (laughs) Yeah. True. Um, Anyways, Mark, did you have anything that you wanted to add to all of this? I know that I was talking a lot. Uh, No, I'm, I'm going through Cat Canyon, so... And uh, we're already at 31 minutes into overdrive, so I don't want to, uh, you know. Yeah, okay. So we can be all done and cue the music and be good for tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, are you done reading then? Oh, yeah, that was it. That was the end, and I just had all that stuff to add to it. I was trying really hard to... Not say anything <laughs> and make it through, and then I was like, "Okay, I got to talk about this." That's fine, and you know what? It's kind of like our friend uh, David says. You know, when I go off on tangents, and I'm all like, "Why am I talking about this?" and I'm just going off, and you're like, "You roll your eyes at me all the time." Because I, but he says he told me every time I go off on tangents, it's because somebody needed to hear what I had to say. And so when you feel like you need to talk about these things, maybe you just need to get it off your chest. Maybe you need to talk about it. That's all part of healing. But maybe somebody needed to hear what you just said. So don't ever apologize for going off like that. Um, Okay. This is my, my blog talk radio, my blog. And you're on it, and you know I'm whatever needs to happen. This is our radio. <laughs> what did Emma say? I can't understand him. He's being silly. What he did says, Emma Wait a minute. say? This is our radio show. <laughs> I said uh, no. Hold on a minute. I'm about to engage in communism. This is our radio show. Oh, you're gonna overthrow? Okay, then. Uh, you can watch the studio next time when the end of the recording is happening, and maybe you can unmute the mic like you were supposed to. But, uh, yeah. So one of the things – okay, so I I ask him and Emmett to, to help me with this. <clears throat> they don't have to. They like to. Emmett says he likes to. But I'm I a little suspicious that he likes to get out of the other things that he would be doing if he were not on the radio show. But I think he likes it too. 
So don't don't whatever. don't be suspicious. There's nothing suspicious going on here. But there there are no illicit don't, activities don't. that I know of. <laughs> illicit. What chores? Illicit. <laughs> oh, and the other thing, Kim, um, you were talking about how much I love the kids and all this stuff. Um, but you forgot to say how much I love to tease them and to chase them around and to just be a ridiculous dad. And now there's a whole bunch of echo, Emmett. Please mute your mic. I know. I was doing that while you were talking. I was, like, telling him, mute it, mute it, waving my hands at him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, okay, well, yeah, um, we'll come back on tomorrow. And uh, we'll have another program. We're actually 35 minutes into overdrive. And the live stream of that other thing that I really, you know, the doctrine of Christ is going on right now. And, uh, yeah, so I'll be there. I'll be on the Zoom call. uh, Chit-chatting up a storm with other like-minded individuals. So I'm my favorite. So I love doing that. So. Um, also, real quick, this weekend is Passover, so I hope anybody who is interested in Passover has a place to go. Uh, if not, there's a whole bunch of uh, stuff online that you can look at, YouTube, to understand the Passover. Uh, we're going to be in Lehigh at the Zarahemla Foundation yeah, doing Passover, but uh, uh, tickets are probably all sold out because uh, there's limited space. But uh, for those especially since we're all staying there. Yeah, we're we're all staying in our friend's house. So uh, I always think this is cool. I like I like our friends, but I always think it's cool that like so. Uh, the Browns used to own that house in Lehigh uh, from Sister Wives. That's the house we're going to. So it's kind of cool. I like their house. So I always think it's funny. Like, eh, that's weird. Like, that that's the house we're going to, but I don't know. It's fun. Anyway, uh, I guess I'll cue the music. I'm thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. God bless. And goodbye. Mm-hmm.